yeah, yeah. We're going we're gonna to have some fun before I get into the message this morning because I want to talk about social media. Anybody else in here besides myself? Like if you're my age or older, you're still on Facebook. All the younger people out, they've moved on from Facebook a long time ago. But raise your hand if you engage in social media, uh, let's just say periodically. I, I don't want anybody to embarrass themselves to tell me how much they engage with social media. So here's the thing I wanted to mention. You know, As God is moving and as, as new things are happening here at Grace Covenant in East Lincoln, it's really important for us to share what God's doing. And, and we have some tools at hand, speaking of social media, to share what God's doing. How many of you have ever, and I want you to be honest with this, I'm not going to ask you which ads you clicked on, but how many of you have ever clicked on a Facebook ad? Anybody? Yeah, I click on them periodically, especially when it has to do with gadgets or technology, or and they always pop up in your feed. And somehow, uh, it, we we hear that all these devices are listening. You know, if you have Alexa in your in your room, which I do, I have a few areas in my house because I can communicate with them like an intercom. Did you guys know that? Like you can use them as an intercom and tell your kids to be quiet when they're all the way on the other side of the house and you don't want to walk over there because you're <laughs> you're in your favorite chair. Right, you can use them, but they, they listen in on you. Has anybody ever noticed that as you're talking about, I don't know, let's just say hot dogs. You're talking about hot dogs. All of a sudden, you're on Facebook, and now there's uh, Facebook ads of Nathan's, uh, and you're tempted to click on. So just to let you know something, we, we had a Facebook ad for our Easter service, and they paid. It was just a quick video that I shot and just some information, and then they, and they paid for Grace paid for that to be boosted, for that to be. And you know that it engaged with over 2,000 people? That's incredible. Yeah, that's like a, oh. So I want us to do something this morning. I want you, if if you have your cell phones with you, go ahead and pull those cell phones out. I'm not going to ask you if you actually did this or not. So you can just, you can act like you're doing it, even if you're not doing it. You may not want to. I don't want to force you to do that. But go to Facebook if you still have Facebook or Instagram or whatever you use. And post something about this morning. Here at Grace, East Lincoln. If you have Facebook, you can check in, right? I did that this morning already here at, uh, at Grace. I checked in, so it actually, if somebody clicks on that, it's going to give them a map and show them where Grace Covenant East Lincoln is. So uh, we have a, a Facebook page. We have a Facebook group, if you didn't know that. You can search out Grace Covenant East Lincoln and engage with our Facebook pages and groups. And we also have YouTube, and you can search that with Grace Covenant EL. And then I want you to do something else later on. And, and again, this, there's not going to be no follow-up here. But I want you to later on uh, possibly post something that God's spoken to you or done in your life here at Grace Covenant this morning. So this is the thing. If 2,000 people engage with a Facebook ad, then people are looking. 2,000, over 2,000 people engage with an ad that was about a church. They're in our community because that's who we targeted. They're looking They're looking for hope, and they're looking for a a safe place to be themselves. And we are that place, I believe. So let's make sure that we're utilizing some of these simple tools that we have to let people know what God's doing here at Grace, but more importantly, what God's doing in your life. Just the other day, I engaged with somebody on Facebook, or I responded to his post, because he was like, "I, I just don't know how to share the gospel with people. And my thing, he's a guitar player. He actually plays on the worship team in Cornelius. And I said, start there. Start with somebody in a conversation, talk, start, move that into music and playing guitar and how you play on the worship team, and then begin to talk about how God has transformed your life simply by participating as a, as a member of the worship team. We start with what we know. But listen, people want you to share stories and messages of hope, right? 
They're, they're looking for that. They're waiting for that. Some of them quite desperate to hear a story or a message of, of hope because in their spirit, they just need to be encouraged. So we do that uh, uh, periodically, just share with people on Facebook. Man, let's, let's flood Facebook with all sorts of, or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok. I have not done a TikTok video yet, um, but maybe, maybe we do that all together one time. Anybody know any good TikTok dances we can do? And uh, Nobody raised their hand. I think Spencer does. I think Spencer has a good TikTok dance we could. Well, look, let's open our, let's open our Bibles to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We are going to read uh, verses 1 through 6. I love this story, and and I love more so what we can uh, gain from it and and what God teaches us through it. Because I believe one of the things that the church is, in general, not grace, but just the church in general, us too, but one of the things that the church is lacking is this demonstration of, of the hope that, that we're talking about. You, you'll hear me periodically talk about this because I think it's so important. I heard somebody say this a while back and it really shifted the way that I think that people aren't looking for an explanation, they're looking for a demonstration. So we do, as Christians, sometimes we do a whole lot of talking about Jesus, but we're not really demonstrating who he is and the benefits of knowing him. This whole past month, we went through a series of his pain, our gain. In the last few services, we talked about what we gained from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But we don't really demonstrate everything that we gain often enough. But I love this story because it talks about us being filled. And so we're going to read the story, and then we're going to break it down uh, just a little bit. So let's start in verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 4. One day the widow, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. You might have something different on your device, but... 2 Kings 4, 1 through 6, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me what to do, or what, what do you have in your house? Tell me what do you have in your house? Nothing at all, is what she says first. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. Verse 3, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. Verse 5, so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Listen, God doesn't need what we have, but he wants what we have. And when we have nothing, he turns it into something. When we have little, he turns it into abundance. I mean, I was thinking about this message and even how some of the things that God's spoken to us this morning in the midst of worship plays right into this. Because I'll be honest with you to say, sometimes when I get here on Sunday morning, I feel like I have very little to give. And, and maybe that's you too. Where you come into the presence of God or maybe you even shy away from the presence of God because you feel like you have very little. Listen to me, God can take nothing. If you're offering him nothing, he can turn that into an abundance. 
So let's look at a few points here. The first one is this. God starts with what we have to offer. What do you have to offer? That was a question that Elisha, Elisha asked. 2 Kings 4.2, he says, what can I do to help? Elisha asked, tell me, what do you have in the house? And she replied, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. So maybe you don't feel like you have much. Maybe you feel like you don't have anything. There's certainly seasons in our life or moments in our life, times in our life where we feel this, this way. Maybe you've gone through a, a rough few weeks and you get to the weekend and it's just like, man, I don't have anything, anything to give. This is some good news that we can come into God's presence, whether that's here or at home. We can come into God's presence with nothing. And he still takes that and turns it into something, something awesome and something beautiful and so I know that there's some of you here this morning that you just kind of feel drained. Maybe you had a busy weekend. I was at the zoo all day yesterday. And it got pretty crowded. And why I love being with people, I don't like uh, waiting in lines. And I'm not patient. And I'm like, get out of my way. Don't you see I have a stroller? And Right? And so even this morning when I woke up, man, I was drained. Didn't sleep well last night. But I love the fact that God still waits for me. Like this morning, he was waiting to spend time with us. And even when we have nothing, for me, I believe it's more important for us to see God in the moments that we feel like we have nothing, right? I love the question that Elisha asked, what do you have? Because her first answer was, I have nothing. I don't have anything. Because her mind's going to all this stuff that I'm supposed to be able to offer to God. And her first response was, I don't have anything. And then she's like, well, I do have a little. And when we're talking about a flask of oil, as you read into this, probably we're not talking about a jar. We're not talking about a vessel. We're probably talking a lot uh, very similar to the little flask that you have of anointing oil that you would use or you've seen used in church. That's probably the size that we're talking about. It wasn't enough to cook with or do anything with, or it was probably something that was used as an anointing oil. She says, I just have a little flask. Listen, God's plan for our lives is not based on what we currently have to offer. His plan for our lives is based on what is available to us through him. He turns nothing into a bunch, right? I love the story of the, the five loaves and two fish. We, we all know that story, right? We all know that story. And, and Jesus takes very little. There's thousands of people, much more than 5,000. In fact, one of the gospels would record 4,000. But there's much more. Let's just say 5,000. There's much more than 5,000. A lot of times uh, back in this day, they would only record the presence of men. But we know that there's, there's wives and mothers and children, and they're all spread out. And, and all Jesus has, he says, how are we going to feed? And the disciples are wanting to send him away. Hey, Jesus, send them away so they can go find something to eat. And Jesus is like, no, we're going to feed them. And the disciples were like, well, we don't have anything. But we do have access to five loaves and two fish, right? And Jesus takes that. And I love the process that we see in Scripture, that he keeps blessing it, he keeps breaking it, he keeps multiplying it, it just keeps being sent out until there was not just enough to feed everyone, but there was stuff left over. Listen, that's God's plan for our life. When we offer nothing, when we offer very little, he turns that into something awesome and something beautiful. So we can never approach God with this attitude of, I don't have anything. 
In fact, I believe that God brings us to a place where at times we feel like we don't have anything so that when we come before him, he does something miraculous in our lives. But that's his plan, right? Let's look at the second thing. God goes beyond what we are able to give. So she went from saying, I have nothing, to then saying, well, I do have this flask of oil. 2 Kings 4.3, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Do we see this happening in the story? She said, well, all I have is this little flask. Elisha has this premonition of what God's about to do. And so his instructions were, go find as many vessels, as many jars as you can find. She starts with only being able to offer All she had to give was a little flask of oil, and Elisha says, go find as many vessels as you can find. Go find as many jars. Start borrowing. Go door to door. And so she actually sends her son out to do this, her sons, out to do this. Listen, God takes the little we give and turns it into so much more. He never looks at what you give him from a perspective of lacking. He always sees from a perspective of abundance. That's just the way that God sees. He never sees, even when you're in a season of hardship and hard times, and and I'm not just talking about resources. I'm talking about just emotionally we come to a place where we're in need and we, we are lacking. Spiritually, we come to places where we're in need and lacking. And God never looks at us from a perspective of lacking. It's always a perspective of abundance. And if we can make that one little shift in our thinking, And when we feel like we're lacking and we feel like we have nothing, all we have to do is offer whatever we have. I don't have anything. Oh, I do have. We give that to him, and he takes it far beyond anything that we're able to give. Look at the third thing. God moves according to our faith and obedience. 2 Kings 4-5 Look what it starts out saying. This is talking about the widow. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you in your conversation with God would enter that word, but? But. No, you you go start finding vessels. Mm, I don't know. Find as many vessels you can go to door to door. Find as many vessels you can find. God, people are going to think I'm kind of weird if I'm asking. They're going to ask me, well, what, what are you using the jars for? What am I, supposed to, I don't want to tell them. Elijah told me to, and something's going to happen. And No, she just stepped out in faith and obedience. She had really no idea, was God going to fill half of them? Was he going to fill all of them? Was he going to fill them halfway full, all of them? It says he filled all of them. Everyone that she could find, he filled to the brim. Listen, sometimes I believe, and maybe that even has to do with church. Because maybe one or two of you, I'm, let's, just, let's just say one, I'm hoping. Maybe one of you woke up this morning and was like, yeah, I don't really want to go. Maybe you had a talk with your spouse of like, look, I'm kind of tired. You know, we can, we can watch it online. Right? I don't really want to go this morning. Sometimes it just takes us stepping in faith and obedience you know, a lot of times people focus on, and I, and I think it has to do with both. I think because sometimes for me, like my faith is so high, sometimes my, I just have to ha- allow my obedience to catch up. But I think about the story of Peter, when Peter stepped out and walked on water. Has anybody tried to walk on water anytime recently? I mean, I've tried in the past. It never worked out for me. I had my little flubies on, though. 
Right, Peter, what's the first thing he, Peter doesn't just like well up with faith and like start running out. He says, Jesus, is that you? And he, he, Jesus identifies himself. But Peter doesn't just become this soldier in, um, of faith and run out on the water. What does he do? He says this. He says, if it's you, tell me to come. Listen, sometimes my faith isn't enough to walk on water. But if I know it's Jesus that's telling me, I'm just going to obey. I, I think probably this struggle might have been happening in this widow's heart. Are you sure I'm supposed to find them all? But then I love the end. And she's like, keep finding more. I mean, is this all we have? And the son's like, look, we went everywhere. We went everywhere in the village and we got every vessel, every jar. But I love the fact that the scripture tells us she just did what she was told by Elisha. Elisha said, Elisha said find some jars. She found as many as she could find. Listen, sometimes we come to God with very little, and we, we know that we have very little. And sometimes our strength is gone, and spiritually we're just drained. And I'm saying this, in those moments, just step out in faith and obedience and see what God does. Because it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. I don't know if I've ever shared this story before, but I have seen food multiplied once. Happened right in front of me. We were on a mission trip in Peru, and we were out in this village. In fact, uh, our visit there helped them put, help, help get them on the map. It's actually on Google Maps now. It's out in the, off the Amazon. I mean, it was a few hours off the Amazon. But when people found, other villages found out that we were going to be there, the Americans, we were the first Americans to go there. The Church of uh, Panama, I think, helped uh, start this little church there, but we were the first Americans to go there. And when they found out, when villages around found out that we were, we were going to be there, they started sending people, their, their leaders and their pastors. We were doing something for adults and kids and youth, and it, it ended up being a lot bigger than what we thought it was going to be. But this was the problem that we found. They had traveled for hours and hours to get there, and they had no food. And we were trying to figure out, like, how do we, how do we feed all these people? And I felt horrible because we had food. I felt horrible. So anyways, we devised a plan and sent somebody upriver to bring back some chickens, and, and, and uh, they got four chickens. Everything we, ate there was, everything we ate there was soup. It was always soup and coffee in the middle of the day. I, I, I promise it was like 150 degrees one day. We were building the pastor a house, and they were drinking coffee in the middle of the day. Of course. Yeah, of course. And, and so anyways, we, they, we, go, we go get four chickens. That was it. That's all we could find. They come back with four chickens. And I'm looking at how many people had gathered there in this village and looking at four chickens. I'm like, that's probably not enough chicken. And they had one big pot of soup. And they, they cut this chicken up and they put all the chicken in to the soup. But they had one big pot of soup and, and they were dipping that, that soup out. And they, they wanted to feed us first. And we all wanted everybody else to go first. But we ate and, and they wanted to give us chicken. And I'm thinking we only have four chickens. And they keep giving us chicken, pieces, big chunks of chicken in our soup. And, and I was feeling really bad. But people started to line up. They heard that we were going to feed them. And they were coming with anything. Anything that they could put the soup into, they were coming with that dish. And in fact, some of them would, they would go through the line and, and eat and, and then hand off the dish to somebody else and they would come back through the line. And I'm talking about hundreds of people now lining up to get this one bucket of soup. And I just remember standing there thinking, all right, God, you're going to have to do something. Because we have this line of people waiting to eat and I know we don't have enough food. And I don't want to get to the point where they're in line, and it's gone. So I'm just kind of praying and praying and praying, and then our whole group is praying. Well, all of a sudden, you know, after many people have gone through, and I'm looking, this is, this is not a lie. It sounds like a joke. But I counted 17 chicken legs. I stopped counting at 17 chicken legs. It doesn't take long to do the math of four chickens 
They only have two legs. If you didn't know this, they only have two legs. So I'm like, now I'm astounded. I'm looking, and every bowl of soup that comes out has big chunks of chicken in it. So I go walking to where the kitchen is, and everybody's sobbing, just sobbing. Because as they continue to dip the soup up, it never went down. They're just dipping it up and dipping it up. Listen, when we offer God nothing, he turns it into something and something miraculous. And I believe that we as Christ followers, we should be experiencing far more miracles. Is it already 1030? We, we should be experiencing far more miracles than we experience. But I think that we don't experience the miracles that God wants us to experience because we feel like we have nothing. And so we don't even give him that. And God's saying, give me your nothing. Give me your nothing. Give me your little and watch what I do. Even this morning, sometimes, I, sometimes you kind of feel like there's a lid on your ability to worship. Did you feel that this morning? Like there's a lid and I'm saying, press through. Even if it's in faith and obedience, where you have no idea what's about to happen, you've already given what little you have when you walk in the room, but give that little bit more and say, God, whatever I have, here it is. And I have nothing. I mean, let's be real. Sometimes we come in and we have nothing to give. Sometimes you're at home and if you have little kids in the house, I have a few. Sometimes you have nothing more to give. At night you go to bed drained and you wake up drained and then at night you go to bed drained and you hope for a nap and you're just drained. And I'm saying give God nothing and he does something miraculous with it. And I'm not saying that we, we work to give God leftovers, but if that's all you have, give it to him. Man, offer it up. We sing this song, we receive your rain. Listen, I feel like we have got to be people who posture ourselves to receive. And sometimes that looks like a, a lot like giving up and surrender. If that's what you feel, then I'm saying give up and surrender to God. Man, throw your hands up in the air and keep them up there for five, ten minutes and see what God does. And whenever you, pray, whenever you feel that ceiling of, man, I, I want to worship, but there's just, man, there's something inside that's keeping me. I'm saying push through that and give whatever else you have and see what God does. Listen, God's not a God that wants us to walk through this life just in a mediocre life. We've talked about it the past few weeks. He wants us to live full. He wants us to live filled. And just like this widow who found as many jars as she could find, and they kept filling. Listen, my belief is if, if these two sons spent the rest of their life finding jars and bringing them to this widow, that God would have kept filling the jars. So let's just keep bringing to God whatever we have. And if you feel empty, fantastic. Feel that, bring that empty jar to God and let him fill it up. And not just a little bit and not just halfway full and not three quarters full. The Bible said he filled it up to the brim, every one of them. Let's close our eyes. I found this quote and I, I love it. It says this, abundance is the process of letting go. That which is empty can receive. So many times we don't experience the abundance of God because we're hesitant to give him what we have. 
And when we begin to give that up and surrender, that postures us to receive. And this is my belief. My belief is every time we come to God with open hands, we receive. Every time. Every time. Listen to me. Every time. Because God doesn't withhold from us. He doesn't withhold from us. I don't know that we should ever leave God's presence still feeling empty. We might still feel some pain. We might still acknowledge the struggle. But I believe even in those moments, we leave God's presence with this feeling as if he's filling the jar. He's filling the jar. He's filling the jar. God's a God of abundance. That's his perspective. He never looks at us with a perspective of lacking. He looks at us as we give him whatever we have, and he turns nothing into abundance. 